0: How many of you know it's a great day to be a Christian? Sometimes I think we need to be reminded of that. You know, we live in a world where we're not told that or encouraged in that way very much. And we look around us. But I want you to know something. God is on a throne. And there's nothing out of control. Amen? It's a great day to be alive and in Christ. Every day is. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm not going to talk a lot, introduction, because I have a lot to tell you. 2 Kings 2, Old Testament, 2 Kings, Um, second chapter, that'll be our text for the next couple of weeks. Um, We're going to take a walk with with two of the greatest men of God that are mentioned in scripture, Um, powerful men, Uh, and they're on a journey together. And they're walking towards their destiny in God. They're walking towards what God has planned for them. Um, which isn't that the goal of every believer? Yeah, you know, I, I hope that somewhere on your daily to-do list, you have a line item that says, do what God wants me to do. <laughs> Get where God wants me to go. Walk, walk with him today as, as close as, and as best as you possibly can. Um, we're not always sure of maybe direction. God, I don't know in your life, God seldom gives me a three-year or a five-year plan. And Sometimes I'm happy if I get three days. It's an it's a on-the-job training this journey that we're on, but, but it's exciting. And these two guys are, are walking towards a destiny. I've called the series uh, next level because as a Christian, God, first of all, you need to know God has one design for you. How many you know that you have a spiritual destiny and it's uniquely yours. No one else can walk your, your walk. No one else can walk your path. And, and you need to know that. And that needs to be a reality inside your heart and mind each and every day because it'll help the way you live each and every day. You also need to know something for, for those who have been on the journey for a while, or maybe not, but you, you, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but you haven't arrived yet. Okay? Just, just I mean, say it to the person next to you. You haven't arrived yet. Now, you know that about them, right? But it's true of you as well. Okay, so we're all on, it's a level playing field here. Verse number one, 2 Kings 2, chapter 2 of 2 Kings, are are you there? Okay, um, verse one. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. All right, so, so do you get that setting? There's quite a verse. The Lord's ready to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. All right, normal stuff. <laughs> Typical daily kind of stuff, right? Elijah and Elisha, Elijah the senior prophet, Elijah the Mount Carmel prophet, Elijah the call down fire from heaven prophet, Elijah the, the, the destroy and wipe out all the prophets and priests of Baal prophet and Elisha, his protege. God instructed Elijah to anoint Elisha to be his successor. And Elisha, at this point, has been following Elijah for five or six years. Okay? And now they're walking from Gilgal to this unbelievable next level event um, in their life. Um, They're on a spiritual quest. as each and every one of us are, on a spiritual quest. They're pursuing God's plan and God's purpose for their life. Now, it's interesting that in this case, um, if you know the the account and you remember reading this passage before, where they're headed is towards their, their next level, but their next level is not the same as each other's. Okay? Where they're headed... Something wonderful is going to happen. And they're both going to reach another level in God. They're, they're both going to come to a place where their lives are changed forever. They're, they're going to have an encounter with God that from that moment forward, they're on a whole new tra- trajectory. Th- their life will never be the same. But it's not the same level. All right? It, which, is, which is true of a spiritual quest. And, and we can apply that to us today. How many of you are on a spiritual quest today? If I don't see your hand, I'm worried about you. <laughs> but if, if you're on that quest by yourself, you're doing it wrong. Because we, we do it together. Even though the way God is working and moving you in your life, the, the next step that God has for your life, the thing he's trying to bring you to or into in your life is most likely different than mine. And it's most likely different than everyone else in the room. It's going to be unique to you, but yet we take the quest together. We we walk this thing out in community. We we have to. It's it's set up that way by by God's design. We we pursue our spiritual destiny in Christ. This sounds weird, but personally, together. Do you understand that? Our relationship with, with Jesus is personal. It's intimate, but it's also corporate. They're, they're both. They're, they're, they're hand in hand. One can't exclude the other. Um, the Apostle Paul, I, I like the way he puts it, a well-known passage of his in Philippians, I press toward the goal for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. See, that should be one of our themes in life. Every time you get up this morning, the, the, this morning, I'm pressing, I'm pressing, I'm reaching, I'm striving, I'm, I'm, I'm on the quest, and, and God is leading me. We're reaching for something in our lives that's, that's further and higher than where we are right now, okay? Further and higher, uh, because your next level in Christ, whatever that's going to be, wherever he's taking, it's going to be further and higher than where you are now. And it will always, because this, we're on the different next levels, but same quest. The quest is Christ-likeness. Okay? The quest is that we become more, what, let me put, put up Second Peter. The, the quest is that we become partakers of his divine nature. How do you know that's a quest? That we become partakers of his divine nature. And in that process, it says that we escape the corruption that's in the world. That's a good deal. So the quest that we're on is is actually a a transformation of our very nature. It's it's the great, you know, that wonderful, beautiful, we're created in his image and likeness. It's the restoration, the recreation of that nature in us. And it's, listen, it, it is, that's not just spiritual language, or shouldn't be. It's measurable, it's identifiable. If you walk with Jesus much at all, and you've, and you've been walking with Jesus, you've noticed it in your own life. You've noticed areas of your nature that have changed. And you notice areas of your nature that he's still <laughs> moving you towards. Amen? Okay, thank God for honest Christians. And it's important that we travel together. Okay? Why? Because Tell, tell the person next to you, because you need help. <laughs> because we need help. It's just the truth. We need to travel together because I need what you have and you need what I have. Because we need encouragement from one another. We need to share testimony and experiences and things that we've learned in, in, in Christ together. We need accountability. If you don't have somebody in your life that can call you or knock on your door or pull you aside and say, hey, what's going on? And you're going to tell them the truth and you're going to hear from them. And give credibility to what they say, you don't have the right people in your life. We need that accountability. We need that encouragement. We, we need that, that, that um, unity and harmony that comes and only comes in community. We need the companionship. We need friends. God did not create us to be isolated. He created us as social beings. It, it has to be. Not, some, some have a higher t- capacity and tolerance for community as far as numbers of people some are very content with just a small handful of people that are they're into their lives but whatever however God designed you we need one another we can't do this thing alone now also note that Elijah and Elisha they're they're walking with this with a driving faith I mean, that first verse is just filled with anticipation and excitement and enthusiasm. They're walking towards this thing that, that it, it, it's this living expectation of something that's beyond themselves. They, they had this idea that, that God was going to do this thing. Now, they really, that's as much as they knew. They didn't know how, they didn't know exactly when, they just, they just believed that God had this, this next level in store for them. They, they believed it with, 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 by faith. They, they believed more than they could explain, okay? They, they believed more than they could explain. They, they be, I like the way the verse put it. They're, they're, they believed that God was about to. Their whole journey, their whole walk was built on this premise, God is about to. They're living with this, this anticipation, this expectation, and it kept them on their path. Why did they keep going from town to town? And it be, because they really believed in their heart, God was about to, God was about to. And, and we need to live with that same kind of faith, an expectant faith, even if we don't have all the details if we don't even if we don't understand how it could possibly ever be we need to under, we need to live with that that kind of excitement that god is about to because because god is about to it's it's part of who he is listen that statement is always true even if it appears or even if he is at some period being silent he's never inactive He's never sitting back. He's never ignoring you. He, even when we can't necessarily feel or hear him. We just sang it today. The F- Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work will what? Be faithful to... Per-. He shows up every day in your life to work out his purposes, to move you further along, to get you to a next place. In him that, that that he has designed, that he is is orchestrating. It's it's always true. That's why there was such enthusiasm. Even when I don't feel it, see it I'm working. He's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He never stops. Never stops work, right? Never stops. Because it's true. It, it hits a chord inside of our heart and inside of our spirit because, because it's true. It's always true. Now this statement that God is about to, it also never has to be feared. Okay? Th- there's, there's a lot of Christians who who ex- have an expectancy from God, but expect the wrong things. For example, Because my guess is every one of us have fought it or experienced it, if we're honest. um, If not, you're just more spiritual than I am. You're going along, you do something wrong, and you know it was wrong. The next bad thing that happens to you is what? It's God getting you. Because we think God's role in our life is to sit in heaven and the way that, that we're to grow up and he grows us up is to just watch us do it, to, to catch us doing something wrong so he can bop us. You know, God's the, the uh, a divine, what's, what's the game at Chuck E. Cheese? Whack a mole. That ain't God. That that ain't God. This statement, God, he's about to. You never have to fear that statement. You never have to be anxious about what God is about to do in your life. You never have to be worried about what God is about to do for you. King David, you know, he didn't always get everything right. But he makes a, a great truth statement. He says that God doesn't deal with us according to our sin. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. Anybody want to say amen? Amen hallelujah because God doesn't think that way. We think that way. See when we think that about God we're really revealing something about our nature that he has to work out of us as we follow him. God thinks Jeremiah right? 1129. What does God think about us? Anybody know the verse? I know my thoughts towards you prophet is speaking on behalf of God I know my thoughts towards you they're peaceful they're good they're kind they're loving they're gracious they're merciful they're forgiving that's my thoughts for you that's the only how does God think about you only good someone interpret that verse saying God thinks only good all the time about you and we have to choose to believe that And anything thought that comes to us, even if it seems to make sense in our head, if it doesn't align with that truth, we need to get rid of the thought. Because it it says, my thoughts are, are, are peace and not evil to bring you to an expected end. See, that's why we can walk with an expected excitement in this life. Because he's bringing us to an expected end and he's promised because of his nature that that expected end is good. It it will be to bless us and help us. Listen, we serve a God who is personally invested in our lives. He is personally invested in your life. He is about to do something in your life. I can't tell you what it is. I can't tell you when it is, but I can tell you he's about to do something in your life. And I can also promise you this. Whatever it is, it's good. It's good. Not that we never experience hardship. Not that Christians never suffer. We know that's not true. But there's something even in the midst of suffering inside of us that says, give it time. Give it time. Because God is good. See, we we live with this reality. If, If it ain't good, God ain't done. Right? Just give him time. He, he's working, he's working, he's working. The Bible says he's working all things. Doesn't cause all things, but he's working all things. He, somehow only God can mesh them all together and somehow they always come out good, for our good. There was a, a tent evangelist, Oral Roberts. Some of the young people may not know that name. Of course you know the university's name. It's named after him but he would he would end his messages his his public ministry times almost all the time with a, it became his little tagline when he said that something is good is going to happen to you something good is going to happen to you and it's a, and it's it's a true statement it is just true because that's his nature the the bible says that your your eye hasn't seen your ear hasn't heard and you can't even imagine what the good things that God has in store for you. That's why we can walk with excitement and faith and expectancy in this journey with him to a next level. That's that's that motivates us to keep reaching, to keep walking. That mo- Listen, if, if you think that God has something bad planned for you, that's not going to encourage you in your faith. That's not gonna make you strive after him, wanna stay in step and stride with him. You're, you're, that may cause you to slow down, but when you know he's good and he's got good out there for you, you want it. You, you want it, so you go after it. I found that. Christians who, who live with an expectant faith in God that's real and alive, they keep walking. No matter what life throws at them, they just keep walking. One, one foot after the other, they just keep walking because they have this inner confidence. That God is good and he's going to, and he's going to share it with me. He's going, he's going to pour it out on me because that's, that's who he is. Again, K- King David made a statement. He says that I, I would have fainted had I not believed that I'd see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And, and David ran into some really difficult times. So he's speaking from, from experience. And he says, there's times I, I just would have given up. There's times it was, I thought it was gonna be all over and I, and I would have given up, except one thing. I, I really know that I'm gonna see the goodness of God. Goodness and mercy follow us. Give it time, goodness, his goodness will always catch up with you. Always overtake your circumstance. I'd see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Don't dismiss it saying, yeah, I'm gonna see the goodness of God when I get to heaven. You will, in his fullest state. But he's in the land of the living. Now, today, in your life, you're gonna see the goodness of God. No matter what we walk through, there's good ahead of us because God's about to. How many of you live with that reality, that God is about to? How do you believe that for yourself, that God's about to? He's about to. Now you gotta fill in the blank. And you may not even yet be able to fill in the blank, but then ask him. Say, say, God, what are you about to do? Because if there's a next level, we want to make sure we're walking with him towards that. And he won't lay out the whole pattern for you, but, but he'll give you a step at a time, at least a step at a time. He'll, he'll let you know. Okay, that's my introduction. <laughs> uh, I have my notes, pray. Father, bless this word. <laughs> Amen. Uh, let, let's, let's keep walking Okay um, In the text As, we, as we're going to just flow through the text For the next couple of weeks um, we're, the, These two guys are going to come to different locations And each location speaks to us About something along the journey They're, they're going to speak about places that they visited And, and as we describe them You're going to realize those are places you've been Some of them may be places you are Some of them may be places you've been to a couple of times you know, and that's all right. And that's all right. But there's things that at each location that we can, that we can learn, glean and, and, and learn. Um, so verse 1 tells us they're, they're walking from Gilgal. So that was the first location. They're, they're at Gilgal. Um, it's an important place in their history. Um, if you remember their history, God calls this man out of Ur the Chaldeans. His name's Abram. And he, and he covenants with him. He promises something. He promises, he promises him land, and he promises him a lineage. Land and lineage, okay? That he makes this promise. And, and then, you know, as the, the story unfolds, there's Abraham, there's Isaac, there's Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel. Israel has 12 sons. The 12 sons, we have the little offshoot where, with Joseph um, who, who goes into Egypt. And through all kinds of different events and circumstances, there comes a moment where um, Jacob's whole family, all, all of the families uh, of Israel, move into Egypt because of famine. And, and they, and they um, prosper. They do, they do well in the land of Egypt. And then this new Pharaoh comes, right? And he changed all the rules. And these people who were contented and doing well now are slaves and they're not doing well at all. And they cry out to God. God sends a deliverer whose name is Moses in in a very miraculous way. Moses comes and and leads them out, will eventually lead them out of Egypt after a number of interactions with the Pharaoh. They come out of Egypt, there's the event at the Red Sea, There's the the things that happen at Mount Sinai, and they come to the border of the promised land, right? And Moses sends in the 12 spies, and they go check out the land, and this land is so wonderful, but, and then they give a negative report. 10 of the 12 spies, negative report. People choose to believe the 10, 12. They refuse to go into the land, okay? So now, an 11-day journey now becomes 40 years. And we pick up the story at the end of that 40 years. J- Joshua 3, um, the book of Joshua, and the third chapter talks about their, their coming I- into the land and, and des- describes how And in chapter 4 this process has happened. I'm just going to read you one verse, uh, verse 19. The people come up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped camped at Gilgal. On the east border of Jericho. Okay? You get the picture. The people are now in the promised land and they're at Gilgal. Gilgal, for a period of time, would become their home base. It'd become where they would set up camp. It'd become where they would set up the, the tabernacle. It's where the Ark of the Covenant would be. It was, it was where they would do life. Gilgal represents to us a place of fulfilled promise. Remember, we go back to Abraham, God made a promise. I'm going to give you land and a lineage. Well, here, here they are. They're in a land that he had promised them. And at the beginning, there was Abraham. And now there's well over a million of them. We don't know exactly the number because they didn't count families in those days. The Bible does say there was over 600,000 men, soldiers. So th- there, was a, there was a lineage that has had transpired so the promise had been fulfilled and it's at that point it'd be easy to say well the, if I'm in that position my thought is well now what now what, what where, where'd I go now what what's on the other side of God's promise what what happens when you're walking with the Lord, and He brings you to a next level, a place of growth and advancement, and encounter with Him, He brings you someplace new and fresh, someplace that He's He's promised. It's part of His plan for your life, and that and that next level now becomes your present reality. Now what? Where do, you, where do you go from there? What's on the other side of that promise? Um, see, God answers my prayer in this certain area. And, I, and I've been, I mean, my prayer has, life has been just focused on that thing. And now it's answered. Now what? You know, I've, I've been seeking God about, oh, God, I, I really want to be married. I feel like you want me to be married and walk through the whole process. You've been praying and, and, and you're married. Now what? See, what, what happens on the other side? Remember, there was, I, I think it was a song, a children's song. Uh, the, the bear went over the mountain. The bear went over the mountain. You remember that? The bear went over the mountain. Why? See, and all that he could see was the other side of the mountain. Silly illustration. Good point. What's on the other side of God's promise? More promise. More promise, God's promises never end, they expand. He builds on them. They're layered. He only doles out what we can handle at the time. But I promise you, every time God fulfills a promise, there's another one. He he said to them, your your promise is, I'm gonna bring you into this land. And you're gonna gonna come into to this land that will be yours, and you're gonna come into this land as as a people. Check, done. Now what? Well, now you're in the land. Now I promise I'm going to drive out your enemies before you. See, there's always a next. Next level always has a next promise that will complement and build upon and expand the prior promise. That's that's just how God works. You, You will never live outside of the promise of God. Whether you recognize it or not if someone said well what what promise has God given to you you're afraid sometimes you're afraid like oh I hope no one asked me that question because I'm not sure how I'd answer well it's an easy answer first of all just go to the book there's more promises in here than you'll ever outlive by the way but there's also through his word often and and any other way if it's a sensing that we have it's something someone else speaks to us always weigh it and check it against the word of God always look for that confirmation but God will give you a promise that is indicative of your next level that will move you in the direction and it gives you that, that faith expectancy to keep walking to keep moving forward because on the other side of God's promise is more promise And you can count on it. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, Okay, so back back to our text. We read read one, uh, now when the Lord was about to take Elijah and Elijah out. Whirlwind, Elijah and Elijah were on their way from Gilgal. And verse two, and Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I'll not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. There's a little bit of a plot twist in our story here. All right? They're walking along. Things are going well. And they're they're walking away from, they're leaving Gilgal. And Elisha says something unexpected, or Elijah rather, says something unexpected to Elisha. He says, why don't you stay here? In fact, he said, please. Please stay here. That was, uh, that was unexpected, I think, on Elijah's part. But he had to think about it. Now, we know his decision, but he had to think about it. And there's a, there's a lesson there for us that one of the greatest moments of danger in a, in a Christian's life, one of the greatest threats to our walking with Jesus to a next level isn't an ungodly culture in which we live. It's not dealing with a lousy boss. It's not the economy. It's not you know, personal struggles or personal relationships and those people, if they'd only get, you know, get on board. It's none of that. The, the, the greatest threat to your next level is the temptation to stop walking is the temptation to just stay, to just stay. No, listen, Gilgal wasn't a bad place. It, 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 I'm not saying that you'd walk away from God. Just stop walking. Just stop reaching. Just stop stretching to settle where you are, to stop your progress. Maybe you like where you are. It's comfortable where you are. You know, it, it's easy where you are. Gilgal represents where you are right now for our purposes Gilgal speaks about where you are right now and every next level you arrive to in God the moment you get there it becomes Gilgal to you all right because it's a completed thing it's a fulfilled thing and so Gilgal is a starting point it keeps moving maybe but every time it moves it's a new starting point And the the lesson is this, you can't stay where you start. You never win a race at the starting line. You know, did you ever see that happen? Shoot the the starting pistol, and everyone just stands there. You can't win a race, you, you can't stay where you start. And that, that's what Gilgal sort of represents to us. Now, a little caution. Don't, don't mislabel. So sometimes we give ourselves, you know, we want to cut ourselves some slack. And I'm not picking on anyone here. I think it's true of the Baptist church down the street. <laughs> uh, don't, don't mislabel lack of movement emotion on your part in your journey or in your walk and and call it, I'm just waiting on God. It, it's a little funny, but I'm serious about it. Let's make sure we keep it, you know, I've, I've counseled with people that come in. They, they bear their soul. They say, "This is the situation," and and you come to some understanding. You you try to share the word of God with them. You try and listen and hear, hear for wisdom, and you try and say, "Okay, well, here's a here's a path, right? Okay, here's the next step. Okay, let's." And and a, a couple months later, they come in, and you have the same conversation. And a couple months later, you have the same conversation. You have the same conversation. Listen you're not waiting, you're staying. That's the conclusion I come to. We agreed on one thing that you were going to do between now and then. How'd you do on the one thing? Well, you know, let's keep our terms uh, straight. Waiting is active. Waiting is not an inactive um, standstill posture. Waiting expends energy. We we love to quote, you know, Psalm, Psalm 40, they that wait on the Lord. They renew their strength, they mount up with wings, they run and not get weary, they walk and don't faint. That's wonderful. But listen, when we read that verse, that's not those things it talks about. You renew, you mount, you run, you walk. That's not talking about after you wait. It's it's talking about while you're waiting. Does that change the whole light on that verse for you? It's it's while you're waiting, not after you're waiting. Listen, if if you think you're waiting on God, and while you're waiting, quote unquote, waiting on God, you're out of strength, or you're not gaining altitude, or you're you're just overcome with weariness, or you even feel like fainting sometimes. Listen, you're not waiting, you're staying. And we don't ever want to stay just because we can. Well, doesn't the Bible say so that, 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 there's a, that we're supposed to be still and know that he's God? Yeah, it does say that. But it says be still, not be stagnant. <laughs> and there's a difference. See, still isn't inactive. Still is when you are able to operate on his ability and his strength instead of your own. That's being still. Be- being still is, isn't motionless. It's, it's drawing away to seek Him for a time of, of refreshing or redirection. It's not inactivity, it's not stagnant. Being still is something that's intentional and purposeful. Being still actually creates the climate and the attitude in which we wait for what we need from him. It's it's it, it creates the opportunity for us to be renewed and to mount up and to run and to walk. Like the prophet wrote in his book. You can't stay at Gilgal. All right that, that's the lesson for the first location. You can't stay at Gilgal. It's interesting because can I have five minutes? Okay, seven will get me to quarter of. <laughs> if I reset my big hand, I can get a little more. <laughs> I'll just give them to you quickly. There's three things that that um, God gets them. I- they're walking away from Gilgal, right? Okay, and, and God gets the people into the promised land. We're back to Joshua 5 now. Into the promised land, and he immediately does something. He immediately gives the, the, his people three instructions. So they just got there. They just crossed the Jordan, and now they're in the promised land, and God immediately, what? Starts preparing them for their next level. And there's, a, there's some things we can benefit from from their instruction. Joshua 5 says that all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Now we know about circumcision, right? We know that it was, it was part of the, 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 the law and the covenant that God gave to Abraham. It was a cutting away of the flesh. It, it symbolized their devotion to God. It, it, it was an act of obedience. And, and that's the first lesson restored obedience if if we're going to not get stuck in gilgal it's going to be because we are always fostering a life of obedience we're always growing and and, and deepening in our walk in obedience to god it, 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 it obedience what is what identifies us as the children of god it, it, it circumcision in the, in the old covenant marked their lives for the rest of their lives. And what what the Old Testament shadowed, you know this, you know that the New Testament adds new light and cl- and clarifies for us. Paul tells the Romans, but a Jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter of the law. There's a shift in the the mark if you would, of our covenant with God. 1 Corinthians 7, 19 says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but what? Keeping the commandments of God. See, now obedience is now the mark of a true child of God. Obedience. And, and I, I promise you this, there's no next level in your future if you're walking outside of Obedience. There's no way to follow God's instructions if you're not following him obediently. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. Pretty simple. It's hard to get into the Greek and make that say something different. Jesus also said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Obedience, it's the path, it's it's the path to your next level. And your next level, which means this, your next level will always involve some kind of cutting away of something. It always will. It will always involve some kind of separation, some kind of um, ch- removing something, something that maybe is lis- misaligned with, with what true devotion should be or looks like, some, some habit, some thought pattern, um, some affection, some attitude. You may not even think it's a sinful thing. It may not even be a sinful thing in and of itself. But if God is saying, lay it down and you're not. Rich young ruler comes. What do I have to do for eternal life? Jesus says, keep the commandments. He says, I've done that since my youth. That was his Gilgal. That's where he was. That was his status and standing before God at that moment in time. I've, I've kept the commandments. But then his next level, Jesus says, okay, take all that you have and sell it and give it to the poor. Yeah. This is, here's your next level. Now, that God, Jesus wasn't setting the standard or a condition for eternal life. Go sell everything you have. What he was doing in this specific case is he was revealing, he was pointing out where this guy was stuck. What was keeping him at Gilgal? Okay. Obedience. There's no substitute for it, and there's no next level in our walk until we learn to obediently follow God in our present level. Okay, secondly, at least half of my minutes, increased thanksgiving. It says in, in Joshua 5:10: "While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover. On the 14th day of the month, in the evening in the plains of Jericho, Passover was established um, by God for his people as a memorial and as a holiday. Passover is what God used to, to break the will of Pharaoh. Passover was that evening where every first male in Egypt died except the death angel passed over homes that were within the blood of the Lamb, protected by the blood of the Lamb that preaches in the New Testament in such a marvelous way, which makes Passover a, a celebration of thanksgiving. In fact, Jesus, at Passover, his last Passover with his disciples, took out of the Passover meal the bread and the cup, and he instituted what we call the Lord's Supper, what, what in the... In the Text would be, would be the Eucharist, which literally means thanksgiving. Yeah. It, 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 the, there's, the lesson there is that a lack of thanksgiving, genuine thanksgiving, increasing thanksgiving, will always prohibit, even hinder, and keep us from our next level, and reaching the next level. Romans 1 gives, is, a, is a terrible chapter. It, talk, you know, it talks about the downward spiral of, of unrighteousness when things go unchecked in our lives. And, um, it, you know, it, people who know the Lord, they seldom just walk off a cliff and stop following him. It's usually a gradual process, and that's what Romans 1 sort of describes for us, but there's, there's one verse, and it happens early on in the spiral. He says that although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give him thanks. Early on, ingratitude is one of the signs that you should take heed to. If you're not able to really live a life of genuine thanksgiving to the Lord. In, in Israel's history, there was a there was the generation before those who moved into the land that they found it hard to be thankful. And because ingratitude captured their hearts, in absence of thanksgiving, their mouth was filled with murmuring and complaining and gossip and a critical spirit and and coveting and jealousies. And then ultimately that led them to a a place of idolatry, of worshiping something other than God himself. I I think you know this, but no matter what your circumstance is right now, good, bad, up, down, better, worse, there's always a reason to give thanks to God. There's always a reason to thank God, always, if you look for it. There, there's something true about us. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find. So if you're looking at your day and you're looking at your life, with eyes to see reasons to be thankful, you'll find them. They're everywhere. Anyone just breathe? They're, they're everywhere. And it's that thankful heart that keeps us moving along the path. It's the thankful heart because thanksgiving is a response to God's goodness in our lives. We, you just sang a whole bunch of, of songs about the goodness of God and you sang it with great gusto because I think you know it. The goodness of God is always a reason to give thanks, and there's always the goodness of God active and moving in our lives. Listen, if God's mercy comes new to us every day, shouldn't our thanks go new and fresh to him every day? You can at least be thankful for his mercy because we know that's coming fresh every day. So you can at least wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, God, I want to just thank you for your mercy. That's a good way to start a day. And then just add to the list. Just keep adding to the list. If if that's what you're looking for, you'll find find cause. Number three, then I'm done. Increased responsibility. Okay? It it says in in, um, verse 12, Joshua 5, And the manna ceased the day after They ate of the produce and the day after they ate of the produce of the land. There was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Your next level will provide greater resources, but it will require greater responsibility just know that there's a life lesson um you've heard it before my kids hated it but added privilege demands added responsibility you want to do children harm keep giving them privilege demand nothing back of them it will not end well for them it will not assist them in in life because it's the path to maturity it's the it's the way and steps of maturity. The previous generation in in Israel, they got older, but they never matured. They died in the wilderness because they refused to go to the next level. They 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 were content with what they had, even though there was, and they knew what was in store. They knew the the, the wealth and the plenty of the land, the abundance of the land. The generation that moved in, they grew up on quail and manna. That, that's right right outside the tent. That's, that's what they knew. Get up, go outside the tent, get the food for the day. That, that, was, that was their life. I was thinking of that. My mind doesn't always work in the normal way, but I'm thinking, God did DoorDash before it was a thing. Right? That's how I read it. That's that's a paraphrase beyond the Living Bible. That's that's called the loose letters. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> he was faithful to them in their infancy because God is always faithful. Things were relatively easy and convenient and they provided for them, but it was also limited because of their infancy. They had limited limited um, selection. And they had limited amount. Remember, they could only take so much. So, so there, was, there was framework. And the, the younger and smaller a child is, the more framework you keep around them. For their own protection, for their own good. It's not a punishment kind of a thing. And in their embassy, God took care of them, but they're not in the wilderness anymore. They're in the promised land. They've come across the Jordan. They're they're at a next level, a new place of of existence, a, a, a new way to live. They're in the land of milk and honey. They're in the place, remember when the spies went in, and even though the people wouldn't go along with what they were supposed to have done, remember they, they brought back samples of the, the abundance of the land. It says that, that it, just to bring out a bunch of grapes that had to be carried by two men on a pole. That's abundance. But the difference is, even though now there's this abundance, there's this increase of, of selection, there's this increase of, of amount or, or volume and, and variety. Now they had to go get it. They had to go pick it. They had to go dig it up. They, it, it, you know, they, had, they had to bring some responsibility. They had to assume a little more responsibility in that area, in that area because the manna stopped. The quail stopped because God's saying, listen, I brought you to this place, you're able now. I want you to grow up a little bit. I want you to mature a little bit, and and so I'm going to add this as on your list as something you're now responsible to do for yourself, so that we can continue to walk together. You know, there's a lot of Christians who who want the privilege of the next level, but they don't want the responsibility. They plead with God, God, where's the more? And and they over and over. And I think God's sitting in heaven saying, where's the maturity? Apostle Paul understood that and dealt with it. He said, you guys should be teachers right now, but you insist that you just want to be taught again. You you should be eating solid food, but you you just want the milk. You just want what's easy and convenient. You don't want to grow up. And the next level will always require of you added kingdom responsibility. That's not a punishment. That's a privilege. That's an, that's an expansion. That's God entrusting more to us. And what comes back to us is even far greater. All right, got to close this thing. Um, why don't you stand? Because when I see you standing, it makes me feel bad, so I want to let you out. If you're on a prayer team, please if you just come and take your your position you you know it's it's easy to stay at Gilgal it really would have been easy um you know the, the Israelites could have just chose to stay there just shared kept sharing all the stories about the wilderness all the stuff their parents had told them they, they could have just basked in the victory of crossing the Jordan. They could have been satisfied of saying, this is far enough. We're, we're in the promised land. God's promise, we've received it. This, this, and this is good enough. But there's no expansion in Gilgal. It's, remember I said it's a starting point. It's a starting point. They have the whole promised land out in front of them. They're in this one little corner of the promised land. And God has said, I'm going to give it all to you. What a terrible place to stay. Plus, to stay at Gilgal is to give up on the promise that God's about to do something more. To stay where we are is saying there's no place... Further, God can take me, or that I want to go. And a life without a promise, a life that's not pursuing what God's about to, becomes really shallow and hollow and purposeless and aimless. I want you to take just a minute today and even in this coming weekend, just before the Lord. Examine your walk. How are you walking? Are you walking? Has there been steps? I'm not saying there have to be these huge transformations. Maybe there has been. Thank God. But there should be breadcrumbs that shows your your movement and you're striving, you're still reaching. What, what, what does God want to do in your life? What's the next level he's trying to lead you to? It, it could just be a little thing. It could be, you know, we always hear in church, well, God wants me, you know, you're supposed to pray more, you're supposed to read the Bible more. Okay, but no, I'm talking about something in, from the inside out where you feel urged. Into the Word of God more. You you, you feel a a, comp, a compulsion from from inside you to to call that person for whatever reason. What what is is there movement? Because I, I can pretty much promise you that that just about everybody in this room, if we're honest as Christians, if not everybody in this room, we've had. We've had down times. We've had lulls. We've had dips. We've had places, moments in our, in our journey where we've stayed. Or we just stayed too long. And, and God had to shake the nest a little bit. So do a little just self-check. Paul said it. Examine yourself. Be sure you're walking in the faith. That's your assignment. We're gonna continue through the passage. There's more locations, there's more stops, and we're gonna stop at each one. And I pray you'll go with us, and that each each location will speak into your heart. Because this thing that we're on with Jesus, there's nothing better. You sang it again today, the song's really, (laughs) there's nothing better than walking with Jesus towards a goal ultimate yes but in real time as well and I'm going to pray and then when I pray if, if there's an area of your life where you need prayer it may not relate to this at all that's fine we, we just don't want you to come to church and go home and not have been offered the opportunity to have a believing brother or sister to just disagree with you in some area of your life maybe there's a sickness in your body maybe it's someone you know maybe there's a Whatever, whatever that issue may do, B, don't don't just dismiss it. Don't miss an opportunity. How many believe God answers prayer? How many know you got to sometimes ask? You got you got to sometimes ask, and the Bible says sometimes we need people to agree with us. So don't miss the opportunity. Wh- which it, wh- what happens if this is the prayer that's going to release? We don't know. We just walk by faith, and faith says, "Man, if I'm given an opportunity for, to sit and pray with somebody about this issue, which which adds strength to to the prayer fire in in that area of my life, I'm, I can't miss that." Yeah. You know? If I say, "Hey, come up front. We're going to hand out hundred dollar bills," nobody would leave. <laughs> Silly. Prayer is available. Prayers available Father thank you your love your goodness thank you for your presence thank you for the way you so consistently and lovingly mercifully graciously work with us thank you for your word that instructs and guides and, and does what only your word can do in us because it's life God bless your people as they hear and and receive your word. Lord, let it it be meat to them. Let let it take root inside their soul and and let it bring a harvest of of glory to you and, and goodness to them. Thank you for your presence among us. And as we go from your house, we don't go from you. Thank you that you go with us. Let your hand of blessing rest upon us. And let us this week journey with you a little further. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I'm glad that you're here today.